Welcome to Data-Based Projections. Data is often the basis for how we see the world and how the world sees us. Understanding these data-based projections is the focus of this podcast, which discusses topics related to data analytics, machine learning, and data science. Produced and hosted by Jim Harris. This episode is based on one of my presentations. The official title is The Critical Capabilities of Your Next Cloud Analytics Solution. The unofficial title is Cloudy with a Chance of Data Analytics. Presentation provides a five-part vendor-neutral framework for evaluating cloud analytics solutions. No need to take notes because the extended show notes of this episode will include a link to the PDF document of the presentation. But before we get started, here's a word from our sponsor. A proven unified analytical warehouse for data-driven customers, Vertica provides freedom from underlying infrastructure with massively scalable in-database machine learning. So you can analyze data with highest performance, regardless of where that data resides. Whether on-premises, in the clouds, on Apache Hadoop and S3 data lakes, or a combination of all of them, Vertica supports your mission-critical analytics with one unified platform. Vertica delivers the same core enterprise-class advanced analytics on any choice of cloud for any size organization. Spin up Vertica in minutes from the AWS, Azure, or Google Cloud Platform marketplaces. Scale analytics elastically by adding cloud instances on the fly. Run analytics on massive S3 and Hadoop data lakes without having to move data into Vertica. Seamlessly replicate Vertica databases between on-premises and cloud or across different cloud providers. Take advantage of Eon Mode to capitalize on cloud economics even further with the separation of compute and storage. This enables organizations to take advantage of cloud-optimized architectures not only in public clouds, but on-premises or in a private cloud, giving companies the agility to scale, compute, and storage independently, up or down, as needed. No one can predict the future analytical needs of your business. The right analytics architecture today might not be the right analytics architecture next year. You need the broadest range of deployment models so that you can adapt as your analytical needs evolve. With complete freedom from underlying infrastructure, Vertica delivers on the promise of big data and future-proofs your analytics like no other platform can. Find out why the world's leading data-driven enterprises rely on Vertica. Try it for free at Vertica.com. And now, without further ado, the five critical capabilities of a cloud analytics solution. Deploy. Store, optimize, analyze, govern. The first critical capability of a cloud analytics solution is deploy. The two key questions here are, how cloudy do you want to be? And how much flexibility does the solution offer? Cloud computing is a subscription-based service delivery model that promises scalability, fast delivery, and IT efficiencies. Cloud computing can potentially remove physical and financial barriers to aligning IT needs with evolving business goals. So key concepts here, first is the public cloud, a shared environment hosted by a cloud service provider. How much of your on-premises data and analytics do you want to move off-premises to a public cloud? These are driven by what are called managed services, or as I like to call them, as you like it, for AAS, 
being added as a suffix to pretty much every other letter of the alphabet. Where services are available for hardware, software and or applications, platform and infrastructure. Contrasted with the public cloud is the private cloud, a dedicated environment most often hosted on-premises. Some cloud providers will talk about the difference between single-tenancy and multi-tenancy, meaning that they'll say that you can have a single-tenancy public cloud where the bare metal servers and other aspects of the infrastructure are dedicated only to you, even though it is in a public cloud environment. That is a secondary and less common definition. The industry standard primary definition of a private cloud is a dedicated environment hosted on-premises. So if you're wondering, what's the difference between a private cloud and just having stuff on-premises? Well, mainly it comes down to the secret sauce of cloud computing is the separation of compute and storage. And it allows an architecture for scalability and elasticity of storage and compute separately to be able to optimize the infrastructure resources. You can actually have that same type of architecture on-premises if you are using software that fits that model. So you actually can have a true power of the cloud brought down to the ground if you architect an on-premises data center to use that same cloud computing model. And that would be the fundamental difference between an actual private cloud hosted on-premises versus other types of on-premises implementations. The other word that you hear a lot that's very important is hybrid cloud, which combines public and private so that applications can be managed and ported between them. Around 40% of cloud implementations are actually hybrid implementations, and some analysts are predicting that in the next three years, there's going to be a tremendous increase in the number of hybrid implementations, and it may be the model that will be needed for the flexibility for cloud implementations in the future. Another term that you sometimes hear is multi-cloud, and this should not be confused with hybrid. It is not the same thing. A true industry standard definition of multi-cloud is the ability to execute on multiple clouds, to have the same functionality available to you on multiple clouds, either as an option for choosing one of those clouds or to be able to run full functionality on all clouds. Be aware that some vendors, however, only offer the ability to query one public cloud from another. Now, in part, what happens in this is because some of the vendors for cloud analytics also happen to own one of the public clouds. So you see a lot of functionality getting consolidated onto one cloud because of that. And that's where you see some limitations in not truly having any type of hybrid implementation because it's cloud only and there's no on-premises option, but even the multi-cloud functionality is rather limited because those vendors who own the cloud have most of their functionality really only running on their home cloud. And while this home cloud advantage will be spun as a positive by these vendors, this is the slippery slope to vendor lock-in. When you're going with cloud analytics provided by a vendor who also owns the cloud platform, you can easily end up getting locked in to their platform alone, and then it can be very difficult to migrate in the future if the functionality provided proves not capable of suiting either your current or future needs. Another concept that you'll hear a lot of is containers. 
and this separates the underlying infrastructure from the application code, and it is fast becoming the software development standard, not only in the cloud, but everywhere. You should ask your cloud analytics provider about what they have available for containers, because one of the things that they are really good at is being able to package up things that can easily be ported from one environment to another. The bottom line is a full range of deployment options and the flexibility to switch between them is the most important business requirements. The second critical capability of a cloud analytics solution is store. A core cloud paradigm is separating storage from compute and using commodity hardware for storage to significantly lower costs. Two key questions here are where and how will the data be stored and where will the analytics take place? The first concept is storage locations. Where in the physical world will your cloud data be stored? Especially if you're moving data from your on-premises data center into the public cloud, there may be regulatory compliance limitations on where in the physical world that data can actually exist. The next key concept is storage options. How will the data be stored? In native format, for example, if you're moving relational database tables to the cloud, will they be stored as relational database tables when they arrive? Or will a more granular format like CSV files be used? Or will a proprietary format be used? Most proprietary formats are designed for storage efficiency. Or will object storage be used, which is one of the most common options in the cloud? The key thing here is that the options that are chosen could have impacts on the storage efficiency, how much storage space you actually need, and also possibly on performance if the way it is stored has to be converted into a different format before it's used for analytics. When we talk about the kind of data that's being migrated to the cloud, we usually talk about the difference between a data warehouse and a data lake. A data warehouse is schema on write, highly structured, acid compliant data, usually with very high concurrency, a high number of uses and users. Data warehouses are here to stay. That highly structured acid compliant format exists for a reason, for all of the functionality that can be built off of the back end of a data warehouse. All of the dashboards and reports and business intelligence tools and other downstream processes that can rely on the structure and stability of what is provided by the data warehouse. But at the other end of the spectrum is the other needs that the enterprise has for other types of data, possibly with faster access. And that's usually where we would talk about data lakes. Initially really focused on the rapid ingestion of data regardless of format. Kind of funny to say now, but most legacy data lakes were originally Hadoop which was stored mostly on-premises in HDFS and a huge ecosystem evolved around Hadoop. And now we're seeing almost a similar next-generation data lakes happening in the cloud, where HDFS is actually replaced by cloud object storage in an ecosystem growing around those types of newer data lakes. The concept there is schema on read. It's variably structured data. It's not necessarily 100% ACID compliance. And it usually has lower concurrency, meaning that the uses and users of this data will be less than for the high structure data in the data warehouse, maybe for things like exploratory analysis and data science projects. Even if you're not dealing with a formal data lake, you should ask if your cloud analytics solution can support flexible schemas. Can it handle things like HDFS, 
Can you handle Parquet for Spark, Orc for Hive, Avro for Kafka, and other formats like JSON, XML, Text, CSV, and any other formats? One other key concept here is analyze in place. Will the data be analyzed where it is stored? Or will it be copied and stored elsewhere for analysis? Some cloud service providers kind of separate their storage from their analytics, either because it's not integrated into one solution, or there are separate add-on tools or partner tools as part of their ecosystem that actually provide the analytics. Other bottom line concepts, you need tiered storage for right-priced data retention. This is essential for keeping hot data hot and cold data cold. What that means is hot data is the most frequently used data that is necessary to support, again, dashboards and reports and everyday types of analytics. And then cold data is as that data starts to get less fresh, usually because it's past a, a time boundary. The concept here is that you probably want the highly efficient, probably more expensive storage to be used for the hot data. And as data starts to become cold, it can be moved over into less expensive storage options and then also having availability to mark old data for deletion. And final bottom line for SOAR, you require scalable storage that grows as your data needs do, and elastic storage that expands and contracts for other needs like temp space, edge, and IoT. The third critical capability of a cloud analytics solution is optimize. The two key questions here is how does it improve query performance and how does it handle concurrency? First concept is query optimization. The ability to tune slow queries with a query planner or other tool before allocating more compute, which has the risk of scaling up the cost of the solution. Similarly, storage optimization. There should be the ability to improve storage efficiency through techniques like compression to minimize storage scaling. Yes, you want elastic storage that expands and contracts as you need it, but you only want to use that feature when you absolutely have to because that can be a pathway to unnecessarily increased costs. Workload balancing is another feature that you should be looking for. The ability to handle changes in volume and velocity and to switch between load and query optimization. You will have times when you want to optimize the environment for fast data loading, and other times you will want to optimize the environment for fast query performance, and it should be easy to switch between the two. Other techniques that should be available are things like resource pools, the ability to configure memory and CPU resources for specific queries or workloads. So if you know that there are certain intensive operations, especially in terms of memory-bound operations where you may have dashboards and reports, that are frequently accessed and need really good performance, you should be able to allocate resources to support those specific functions. Another concept is projections, which is actually a Vertica-specific term. There's somewhat analogous to materialized views. The concept is the ability to maintain data copies that are optimized for complex and or frequently executed queries. Conceptually, this is not very different than what data marts do in data warehouse environments, creating specific structures that have been optimized for particular queries or analytical computations so that those things do not slow down the overall performance of the system. These copies need to be maintained and synchronized with changes in the underlying data. 
The most obvious example would be things like aggregations being updated in real time. And last concept here would be workload isolation is something that you might need to consider. Having the ability to create separate but synchronized copies that are dedicated to either specific queries or more likely workloads. And this is where you have an environment that has a lot of different uses. So you may have to make sure that you have dedicated resources to make sure that those dashboards and reports get the blazing fast performance that people want. You don't want the ETL processes that are trying to insert new and update existing data, negatively impacting that performance. And you also don't want to have data science projects or exploratory analysis efforts downgrading the overall performance of the system. But you also want everyone to be able to have access to the full volume data. So being able to create synchronized copies and have dedicated areas of resources to these different functions allows everyone to have access to the data that they need, and it prevents an increase in activity from one of those groups or workloads from negatively impacting the entire environment in all of the users. So a couple of the bottom line statements here is, a core cloud paradigm is separating storage from compute. However, adding compute to solve slow queries is wasteful and costly. Also, optimizing storage with techniques like columnar architecture and compression can both dramatically lower storage costs as well as improve performance. And concurrency is more than just handling more users. It also means preventing performance issues caused by different simultaneous workloads. Optimize is the thing you really need to look out for with the quote-unquote black boxes that are available by many cloud analytics providers. Sold under the banner of ease of use, they take a lot of these optimization and configuration options away from you and do it for you automatically on the back end as part of their managed service. That sounds good, but if they're making all of the optimization choices, some of those choices can end up costing you a lot of money. So you should make sure that there are options, even in a fully managed service, that you can choose some of these optimization features so that you can have a greater control over the environment, both for cost control and for high performance. The fourth critical capability of a cloud analytics solution is analyze. The key questions here are, can it support our current analytics? And does it provide us advanced analytics? Cloud migration should not move data beyond the reach of your existing business intelligence and data visualization tools. As far as evaluating advanced analytical capabilities, check for the depth and breadth of built-in analytical functions, including time series and geospatial. A category of advanced analytics that gets a lot of attention, rightfully so, is machine learning. And you want to look for integrated functionality for data preparation, modeling, evaluation, and deployment to production. As for analytical languages, SQL is standard. However, implementations vary greatly. Don't assume it is ANSI standard SQL. Verify exactly what SQL functionality the cloud analytics solution is providing. There will also often be a need for supporting alternative languages. Python and R are particularly popular with data science, as are the use of their data science notebooks like Jupyter Notebook. You'll need support for those and possibly additional languages for, among other things, the creation of user-defined functions. 
and that should be available in the cloud analytics solution. And again, with Python and R, one of the things that might be happening is those and other tools could be used by data scientists to begin machine learning activities before you have engaged the cloud analytics solution. So it should include the ability to, among other things, import machine learning models that have been built elsewhere. And last but certainly not least, is the ability to have a robust query engine. One that can analyze data not only in place, but in the right place, without unnecessary data movements. A lot of data may have been migrated to a public cloud as part of your cloud analytics solution. However, you still might want to be able to reach down from the cloud to include on-premises data in analysis, as well as to reach across multi-cloud environments to include that data as well. You should not be forced to bring your data to the analytics. You should be able to bring the analytics to your data wherever it is. Two final key points about Analyze. One, different analytics uses and users have different expectations and service level agreements, SLAs. Cloud migration must not negatively impact any of them. And second, when evaluating the capabilities of a cloud analytics solution, ask, are advanced analytics, machine learning, and data science capabilities integrated into the cloud solution? Beware that many cloud solution providers, although they have this functionality available, it is not included in the solution for free. Sometimes it is an add-on product that you have to pay extra for. Other times it's also a component of their ecosystem that requires additional data movement to get access to that functionality. Ideally, a cloud analytics solution should offer you a unified analytics approach, providing all of the analytics that you need in one integrated solution that can be applied to your data wherever it is. And the fifth critical capability of a cloud analytics solution is govern. The key questions here are, who will govern this solution and how, and how are costs controlled and risks mitigated? The first concept is governance not included. Managed services are not necessarily governed services. Verify cloud provider options. One such option should be cost control. Safeguards should be available to limit scalability and elasticity to prevent surprise bills. You should also be on the lookout for egress costs. Many cloud providers will levy an egress fee charged per megabyte on data moveouts. This is one of the tricks of vendor lock-in because a lot of times you'll have low to no ingress fees where you're allowed to load as much data as you want or up to a certain data limit for free or next to free, and then they charge you on the back end if you want to move it. So look out up front and ask if there are any egress costs associated with your cloud service provider. Another important concept is access control. You need role-based access to the data that is stored in the cloud, just like you would need for on-premises data centers. You need to restrict who can access what data and what they are allowed to do with that data. PII, personally identifiable information and other sensitive data access must also be controlled for regulatory compliance. Another important aspect of security 
you should be looking for solutions that provide format-preserving encryption for data in motion, data at rest, and for analysis without decryption. And one last key concept here is public exposure. Your organization already uses the public cloud more than you may realize. Two simple examples are smartphones and Gmail. Nearly every smartphone app is connected to a public cloud service, usually automatically. And most people use Gmail or some other web-based email as their personal email. It might be against your corporate security policies, but let's face it, a lot of people use these services to get data moved from their work computer to their personal computer. My point is that those, like many public cloud services, are free. And there may be shadow IT efforts in your organization that are making use of some free options for cloud analytics solutions. And an assessment of that possibility needs to be included in your governance considerations. So bottom line here, managed services must still be governed, especially cloud quote-unquote black boxes offering little to no control can expose the enterprise to risks. Cloud economics promise cost savings. The most commonly cited one is CapEx to OpEx, going from capital expenditures to operating expenditures, because you're not paying for the bare metal servers and other infrastructure to be maintained on site in your on-premises data center and the staffing that is necessary to do that and shifting the responsibility for that to the cloud services provider. However, as data scales exponentially, and it is, and it's not stopping, costs associated with cloud solutions can easily skyrocket if not governed. Meaning the cloud could actually end up being more expensive than on-premises solutions in the long run if not properly governed. And access control, cybersecurity, encryption, and compliance must be included in what a lot of analysts are now using the term connected governance. Connected meaning cloud and non-cloud. Because the same governance that applies to the data and analytics that happen on-premises also has to be applied to the cloud. You need to make sure you have a plan for governing your data analytics in the entire ecosystem. Public cloud, private cloud, wherever data may be. And that's it for the five critical capabilities of a cloud analytics solution. A five-part vendor-neutral framework for evaluating your next cloud analytics solution. Deploy, store, optimize, analyze, govern. As mentioned at the beginning of the episode, see the extended show notes for a link to a PDF document containing the full presentation. Thanks for listening to Data-Based Projections. We're available on all podcast platforms. Extended show notes for all episodes, as well as playlists of related episodes, can be found at ocdqblog.com forward slash dbp. Until next time, may the data be with you always.